0: amen listen if you have your bibles and you don't mind standing just a brief second longer go with me to matthew chapter 2 matthew chapter 2 if you if you will we are on week 2 of a series entitled the gift exchange where we're looking at the life of our savior jesus christ actually the birth of our savior jesus christ uh, to to those of you who are here who are a little warm i apologize Uh, But I'm apologizing not because you're warm, I'm apologizing just because I got happy, we got heat. I was excited when they came and they repaired the heat this week because it was a little cold last week for me. And so I got excited and turned the heat on and I forgot that when bodies come in, we naturally just warm the place up, amen. So I thank God for what he's done. Listen, repeat after me, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind that I will do. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you're visiting with us for the first time, listen, I want to tell you hello, greetings, I love you, I'm glad you're here. There's a blue card on back of the seat in front of you. If you could just grab that card sometime during the service and fill it out with your information, it will allow us to contact and connect with you. I promise we won't bother you. We're not bill collectors, but we simply want to love on you and let you know that we're thankful that you came to be with us. Amen. Matthew chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1, when you got it, say, "I I got it. Let's get it. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. The Bible says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him when Herod the king heard this he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born Bible says in verse 5 they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea for this is what has been written by the prophet verse 6 and you Bethlehem Land of Judah, or by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went there away. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasure, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12, and having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. For a moment today I want to lift up this text as we continue in this series and simply title it The Gift of Divinity. You may be seated on today. The Gift of Divinity. Now we've kicked off this series entitled The Gift Exchange on last week, and I was excited about it. I'm still yet excited about it to see what God has already done Uh, because on last week we discovered that the greatest gift and the only gift that God has ever promised to give us was life. That was the greatest gift and the only gift. He didn't promise us fancy cars. He didn't promise us big, huge houses. He didn't promise us marriages. He promised us life. And we've seen on two occasions from what we observed on last Sunday that God has given us life not once but twice. He's given it to us in Genesis where he first formed man in his own image. He took the dust, he blew into the nostril, and he created man uh, from who he was and how he wanted them to be. Not only did he create man, man in Genesis to build a relationship but then we see that God creates life a second time because he not only produces life through a relationship he produces life through redemption why because sin enters the world and it causes conflict and it separates the love and the relationship that man has established with God therefore God now has to do something to atone for man's sin he has to do something to put them back in good graces he has to build a bridge to fill the gap. And so who is that bridge? None other than Jesus Christ. So we see God gives us life in Genesis chapter one, but then we see God redeems us through life in Matthew chapter one. He gives us an opportunity to be in right standings with him again. All we have to do is accept Christ. That's all we have to do is accept Christ. But now when we look at the, the illustration, the story, the representation of what has happened through the birth of Jesus Christ. God has given us one gift, but now we see that there's a group of individuals called the Magi who brings three gifts. There's a group of individuals called the Magi that brings God three gifts for the one gift that he's given to him. We're going to spend the next three weeks talking about those three gifts. But today we're going to start out talking about gift number one, the gold. We're going to talk about the gift number one, and before we even deal with the goal, I want to make sure that we understand there's nothing better than having a gift from someone who has actually put thought in their gift. There's something about an individual that's actually put thought. Thought in their gift, their gifts just seem to be more valuable. I'm not talking about uh, the little gift exchanges we do at work, where everybody just buy gift cards just to say uh, we had a $10 balance, and so I'm gonna give you a $10 gift card to Walmart. Anybody can go get a $10 gift card to Walmart. You didn't put no thought into that. You you took the easy way out. You seen that this was all that you had to do was to honor this, and so you put it on the gift card, gave it to me, so I can pick what I want. Now I'm not gonna be mad at you. I'm. Thankful that $10 is going to go a long way in my gas tank. I, I appreciate that. But it's nothing like having a gift from someone who's actually put thought into their gift. From someone who's actually put thought into gift. It's something. My wife is pretty good at it. I'm going to toot her horn today. She's pretty good at it because she knows I'm picky. She knows I'm picky. See, that was a time uh, that I did not appreciate the gift that my wife got for me. I didn't appreciate it. Why? Because I had expensive takes. I, I wanted the best of the best. You know, they sell body oils at the bazaar. I, I don't have no problem with body oils at the bazaar, but I wanted cologne. I wanted the real deal. I don't want the $10 bottle. I want the $100 bottle. I, I, it was just my, personal, my own personal issues. And so she would find out what fragrances I like, and then she would go get me the $10 bottle, and i will be like, hey, well, thank you, but we can go to the Galleria and get the $100 bottle, and, and I'll be just as good. And the thing is, the crazy part, And she put a lot of thought into her gift. I didn't know how much thought she put into her gift. Back then I was driving trucks, and driving trucks, you sweat a lot, you get stanky, and I was dealing with garbage trucks at that time. Well, the problem with perfume and cologne is it's just alcohol-based. And so, therefore, it evaporates eventually. Well, this body oil, it lasts the test of time. And so, I could not appreciate her gift until I understood the thought that she actually put into what she had given me. Then it had so much more value because she She didn't want no stanky man walking in the house. She she actually put thought into that thing. So now that I understand that, I appreciate it. Now catch this. As believers, we are responsible for giving gifts to God. How much thought did you really put into your gift? How much thought did you really put into your gift and what you're going to do for God today? If your praise is a gift, if your worship is a gift to God, did you really put any thought into what you just gave God this morning? Uh, Or did you just go to Walmart and buy a $10 gift card of worship and say, here, Lord, take this? Did did you really say, Lord, you know what? I know how you feel. I know what you like. I know what you're looking for. So let me give you the best that I can possibly give you. Or or did you just say, you know what? God, you're going to take whatever it is that I want to give you. There's three things that when you put thought into your gift that you should think about. The three things are simply, number one, you need to have awareness. Number two, you need to be able to accept. There's an acceptance factor. And number three, there's an ability to acknowledge. <laughs> awareness, acceptance, acceptance and acknowledgement. These are are three key things. I want to bring these up because we're going to look at these in the text today as we deal with it because we have heard this story over and over about Jesus being born. We've heard this story about the wise men coming and the three gifts that were presented uh, to him on that day, but not often do we actually take time to really look at what they were doing. They brought specific gifts to Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I had an opportunity to sit and Pastor the Conway Edwards service yesterday and he said something that I never thought about Said something so simple but yet profound. There is not one word listed in the Bible that is not of importance. Amen. Sometimes we look at things and we just skim over it and move through it real quickly and don't take the time to really understand how important things are within the text. And so today I want to challenge us. We're going to look at gold for what it really is. Amen. But when the Magi, when those wise men, as we've come to call them, uh, were looking for Jesus, they had an awareness of who Jesus is. And I want to make sure that you understand the awareness of God is the awareness is the knowing that the knowledge of who Christ is. That's the first thing that we understand. Awareness is the knowledge of who Christ is. You don't buy nobody a gift without knowing them. It's just that simple. Even when you do a gift exchange at work, you pull names you what have an awareness of who you're buying it for. You want to know who you're getting. You may get them whatever you want to give them, but you still want to know who they are. You can't honor God for who he really is unless you're truly aware of who he is. How do we know the Magi was aware of who he is? When they came uh, to Bethlehem, they came across King Herod and they said listen, where is the child that was born? Where is Jesus Christ? Where where is he at they already knew he was coming why did they know he was coming because the prophet Isaiah had already foretold that Jesus Christ was coming they, they quoted the text to him and said listen we've seen his star where is he positioned here in Bethlehem they had an awareness of who God is if you're going to give God a gift I need you to truly get an awareness of who Christ is Pastor, that's so simple. You're right, but some of us get it wrong every day. Some of us come to church just because our friends come to church. Some of us come to church just because our family come to church. Not all of us come to church because we have an awareness of who Christ is. Not all of us come to church because we know what our relationship with God is built on. We just do it because it's repetition. We do it because we know it makes us feel good. It makes us feel like everything is okay. But we truly don't know what we're coming and looking for. And as a result of that, we come and we're filled for a second. But the minute we leave, we're empty. Because we lack the awareness, the knowledge of who God is. The second principle that I talked about is not only awareness, is what? Acceptance. What is acceptance? Acceptance is the belief in Christ. You can be aware, but not willing to accept. Amen. This Magi, they made this journey. They were on their way. Why? Not only because they were aware of what was happening, but they willingly accepted. They believed in who Christ is there are some of us in this exact room that because of the way that we are living our lives We can show and testify through our life because the Bible says what you'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears That you may know Christ, but you don't believe in Christ See if you actually believe in Christ There's an element of conviction that will naturally happen in your life That will call you to do what you're supposed to do even when you don't want to do it That's called love See, love doesn't always want you to do, and love, love, when you're in love and you always don't want to do the right thing, but because you know it's the right thing, you have no choice to do it. Some of us, that's why we struggle in our relationship, not, not just our relationship with God, but our relationship with each other. Why? Because we don't love each other enough. This is why we battle whether we're going to do right or whether we're going to do wrong because we don't have a relationship that says, you know what, no matter how hard it is for me, no matter how far I have to travel, I want to do what is pleasing and satisfactory to you. I want to make sure you feel good. I don't care how much it costs me personally. I want to make sure that I do what I'm supposed to do to make sure that you know that I love you. We look at the text, and the Magi has shown us that they not only acknowledge, I mean, they not only have an awareness of who God is, an acceptance of who God is, but it shows us this third principle. And what we have to understand is naturally, when you have an awareness and you add awareness, awareness plus acceptance should, I want you to catch that, it should produce acknowledgement. Awareness plus acceptance. Should produce acknowledgement. To understand what I'm saying. You have to understand what acknowledgement is. And acknowledge is nothing less. Than honoring who Christ is. Acknowledgement. Is honoring who Christ is. This is the way you live. This is the way you conduct your life. This is the way you behave. Awareness plus acceptance. Should produce acknowledgement. Pastor why do you say. It should produce acknowledgement. Because just because you know who God is, and just because you believe in who God is, doesn't mean that you're willing to live for God the way that you're supposed to. Somebody doesn't believe me. Well, if you remember in the text, what has happened is the Magi has come to, to Bethlehem. And here they are in Judea, they're in Bethlehem. And they come and they come to King Herod and they say, hey, where is this child that has been born? Where is this child that has been born, the Messiah? Where is he at? We've seen his star. We know that he's supposed to be here. Where is he at? Help us out. Give us direction. And the Bible says that Herod begins to call a special meeting with all the chief priests. The Bible actually says that he's what? He begins to get weary. Not only him, but all of Jerusalem. Now, these are the people who God has sent. Christ to actually redeem these are the initial people that 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 God has said you will be special I will make you a great ruler that will rule over all that will be birthed out of you but now in the midst of this situation they're concerned they're worried they're puzzled they're troubled why is this it is because of the fact that they are aware of who God is they have an acceptance of who Christ is that he is the messiah but they're not willing to acknowledge who he is. Why is there a conflict? Why are they not willing to acknowledge who Christ is? Because if we acknowledge that Christ is truly the king of kings, the lord of lords, that makes us nobody. If we, give, if we really fall to our knees and honor and worship this newborn baby that has been created, that means that we truly don't have any power. In other words, the fact that Christ even exists threatens their own existence now that's a problem because in the text the bible tells us that what christ has came to have so that we can have life and we can have it more abundantly why is it that we are threatened by christ's existence now check this i've said we because it wasn't only them some of us fail to live for him today because we are threatened by who christ is pastor what do you mean we're threatened by who christ is we're worried if we truly are aware and accept and we choose to acknowledge him, then we lose our own identity. We lose who we are. That's a problem with our thinking. Uh, We would call that crazy talk. And the reason why is because of the fact that the only reason you are who you are is because God said you could be. And so why do you think that God wants you to be less Than what he's called you to be. Why do you think he wants you to settle for less. Than what he has originally had planned for you in the first place. The whole reason of the birth and the sacrifice. Is so that you can get back what originally belonged to you. So why is it that when we live life that we struggle with giving God who we are. The only gift that God requires is a life for a life. I gave you a life. You give me your life. This is a concept that we should pretty much understand. Because we live a life where we believe in an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Somebody hurts you, you want them to hurt back. If somebody kills a member of your family member, what? You want them to die too. So why is it that we can agree with it on, on earthly terms, but we can't agree with it on spiritual terms? God has given his life. So that we can have life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All we owe him back is a life. Mm-hmm. It's amazing because I think about how it used to go in the neighborhood I grew up in a long time ago when people got into shootouts and things happened. I remember a time where someone, an innocent person, lost their life trying to protect and defend someone who, who was in the wrong an innocent person lost their life and the crazy part is that after that individual had passed the young man whose life he had saved, he went to his mother's house, bought flowers they took food they gave money and he basically told that young man's mother I know that you lost a son but I want you to know that you gained a son he says mama I'm going to take care of you I'm sorry for what happened to your son, but you don't ever have to worry about anything. Why? Because I I got you. He he was willing to give his life for the life that she's lost. Now, here's the problem. The mother was willing to accept that. The mother was willing to accept that somebody was going to stand in the gap and was going to help her through this painful moment. But the mother had one stipulation. Baby, you have to stop living the life that you was living. She says, I don't blame you because my son knew he had no business being there. But if you had not gotten into that altercation, he wouldn't have been dead. She says, now he's gone and he won't be there to save you next time. So if you truly want to fill the gap for me, then you have to change your life completely. I remember that day like it was yesterday because tears was in that young man's eye as he stood around his friends, and he had to make a conscious decision that day if he was going to walk away and do the same thing or if his life would forever change. Praises be to God, he made the best decision he could ever make. He promised that, that mother that his life would be different. He kept it up, he did what he was supposed to do so that he could be in a position to help her throughout the course of her life. I don't know where they are now, I don't know what they're doing now, but I know that day he made a conscious decision that the gift I'm going to give you is gonna be a gift of substance and value. I'm not just gonna give you half of me, I'm not just gonna make this speech in front of people to make it seem like it sounds good, I'm actually gonna do what I'm supposed to do. My question is, why do we stand in front of each other why do we lie to each other and lie to God and make these fake promises but we're not willing to live the lifestyle? He has given us the best gift that he could possibly ever give us. He didn't give us his leftovers. He gave us his only. He didn't give us his reject. He didn't give us his step. He gave us his only. And so the Magi, they were willing to Acknowledge, accept. They, they went through the whole process. They had awareness. But here it is, Herod had a problem. Because he was intimidated about who Christ is. He was intimidated about what Christ was about to do. The change, the transformation, how he would lose power, how he, he would lose authority, how things would shift and change just because Christ is now on the scene. And so what happens? He says to the magi, go. And when you find them, come back and tell me. So that I can go and worship him with you. Anybody can say they worship him. Takes a true believer to do it. This is why I say that awareness plus acceptance should produce acknowledgement. But in Herod's sake, awareness plus acceptance did not produce acknowledgement. Why? Because he was not willing to give his life to Christ. He wanted to do everything that he could possibly do. To prove that Christ wasn't who he was. He, he, he wanted to do everything from murdering every baby. He wanted to do everything that he could possibly to do to, to prove the Messiah hadn't came. Some of us still do it now. We won't give God credit for what he's done in our lives. When you refuse to give God credit, you're, you're, you're basically saying that God is not who he says he is. You're saying that God can't and won't do what he says he will do. You verbally made a conscious decision to open up your mouth and claim that i worship you, but your actions prove that you don't want to do anything of the such. Thank God that he warned the Magi before they even got there. Thank God that they were warned in a dream that if they had went back, that would be a problem because Herod wasn't coming to worship. Herod was coming to try to destroy And so the Bible says that after they left that place, they went on to their country. And guess what? They went around about the way. They didn't go back the same way they came. It may have been a shorter distance. It may have been an easier distance. But instead, what did they do? They went out the way. They took the long way around. What? To honor God's will. Catch this. Sometimes it will seem longer doing it God's way, but it's better. It may seem like it takes a little bit more time doing it God's way, but it's the right time that you need so that you can appreciate whatever God is about to do in your life. If they had elected to go back the opposite direction and avoid what God was saying, listen what they would have encountered. They would have encountered Herod and his troops heading in that direction. And do you think that Herod for a minute would have just let them walk on without telling them where Christ was? They would have been subject to torture. Everything so their life would have been the storms, the trials, the situation that they would have encountered was not because God wanted them to go through it, it's because they made a decision to go the opposite direction of where God asked them to go. Catch this if you stop going backwards and continue to go forward, you'll quit going through the same things over and over again, you'll quit encountering the same pain over again. God is calling you out of a relationship, but you keep going back to it. God is trying to call you off a job, but you keep settling for it. He's steady trying to change something in your life, but what happens? Because of the fact that you're more afraid of it than him, you go back to it every time. The Magi made a conscious decision that day that we fear God more than we fear man. We'll deal with Herod whenever we see him again. So they led off with a unique gift. A unique gift called gold. A unique gift called gold. And I want to tell you why they let off with gold. Because gold is a representation of the divinity of who God is. Gold represents the divinity of God. Gold at this time was the number one most valuable metal that you could possibly ever have. You would bring the king gold. See platinum might have been here but we weren't digging and finding platinum back then. Now gold is the number three. But back then, gold was the top medal that you could possibly ever present to royalty. And so when they bring gold to baby Jesus, they're bringing it because it represents who God is, the divinity of God, the supremeness of God, the, the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the all-encompassing, the one who created all, who rules all. So they bring it to him to represent his royalty, his deity, who he is to honor who God is. I want you to understand this because gold was a thousand times more valuable then than it is now. They didn't bring God silver. They didn't bring God copper. They didn't bring him a few denarii. They brought him gold. Back then, kings and rulers, they would demand all the gold to be in their house. They wanted it in their temples. They wanted it to build their structures. And so here it is, magi, that are taking what has been reserved for royalty as known to man, and they're taking it and giving it to Christ. Some scholars would say that they gave it to him for the simple fact that they knew that uh, the family was going to need provisions and Jesus Christ was going to be on the run, and so they gave them gold so that they could take care of their life. Now, I have a problem with the theologians who believe that because of the fact of how r- rare gold is, you can't just be some peasants running around with gold. Somebody going to tell on you. Somebody going to snitch, they got gold over there, King Herod, or, or whoever. Y'all need to come get them. Uh, pay me a little carpet for the gold that I'm going to bring you. Amen. So I can't believe that they bought, brought them gold so they can provide for the lifestyle that they were going to live. Because Jesus didn't have a fancy lifestyle. He wasn't riding on 24s. <laughs> he was born in a manger. Amen. He kept it simple. So the gold couldn't have been for that. I believe, and when I, when I began to look at some other appearances of it, I believe that they gave gold to, to, to signify who Christ is. If gold was given to kings, then I want to give gold to the king of kings. If gold was submitted to lords, I want to give gold to the Lord of lords. They took what was rare and valuable that could not be replaced and gave it to God. They put fault into their gift. They took what was rare and valuable and could not be replaced and gave it to God. Amen. Amen. Say it. They put thought into their give your life is rare your life is valuable your life cannot be replaced does it not make sense that God is deserving of nothing less than your life does it not make sense that you should be willing to honor and give reverence to who God is through the life that you live If Jesus Christ was born right here, right now, would you be willing to give your life to Christ? I want you to understand, it's not just coming to this altar and lifting your hands. It's saying that I'm going to give you the best of me at all times. I'm going to change everything about the way that I think. That I'm going to be committed to who you are. When they gave him this goal, they, they were doing three things. They, they represented three things about who God is. The first thing that they did, they, when they gave the goal, they said, you know what? This goal represents Christ's position. This goal represents Christ's position in our life. What is Christ's position in our life? Christ's position is nothing less than God made flesh. The prophet Elijah told us about Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. That, that we, we will call Jesus God with us. Why? Because he is the word of God. He is the essence of God. He is the son of God made flesh. So when they gave him this gold, they represented who he is. His position as king of kings, lord of lords in our lives. When we think about what we give unto God, we have to first identify Christ's position in our lives. Who is Christ to us? It's the gift exchange. He's already given us something, so we're going to give something back to him. When you can identify Christ's position in your life, it makes it a little easier to give up. You won't struggle with tithes and offering anymore because you know who God is. You won't struggle with praying and fasting anymore because you know who God is. You won't struggle with committing and serving anymore. Why? Because you know who God is. I'm going to give you the best of me at all times. I don't want to give you half. Matter of fact, it's an old school song that says 99 and and a half won't do. I can't give you a part of me. I have to give you all of me. I have to give you everything that I possibly am just because of the fact of who you are. The Magi made this trip because they knew who Christ was. They knew his position. He is God made flesh. If we could identify God's position now, if we can identify that he has already made the sacrifice so that we can have life, don't you think it'll make us look at things a little different? I want to be honest, man, and I love y'all, but a lot of us as believers, we think Jesus is a fairy tale. We come here and we go through the motions, but if we could just be honest with ourselves, we question ourselves about our faith every day. The only way that you'll have a question about who God is is if you hadn't had an encounter with God yourself. Each one of us that are believers, because the church is is a place where believers gather, the church is not a place where sinners gather. They call that place the club. Uh, The church is the place where believers gather. And as a representation of the church being a place where believers gather, that means that everyone who comes here should be a believer. And the only way that you can be a believer is if you had an encounter yourself. Listen, Paul, formerly known as Saul, was the biggest mass murderer and persecutor of who Christians were. Why? because he didn't believe but there was a time when paul had an encounter they call it the road of damascus and when he had that encounter his life forever changed catch this when you have an encounter with god your life changes you don't believe me you better find the leopard and ask him he was cast out from the monster's people and when he met god he met jesus he had what an encounter he had an encounter jesus said if you want to be healed you can be healed he touched him he was healed he told him leave here and never be the same sin no more when you really have an encounter with God your life changes you don't want to be the same anymore you don't want to say the same things anymore you don't want to do the same thing anymore but most of us continue to live the foolish sinful life that we live day in and day out why because we have truly not had an encounter with God Before I knew Christ, I was a thug. Before I knew Christ, I sold drugs. Before I knew Christ, I cheated. I did so many things before I knew Christ. But the minute I met Christ, I changed. Why? There's a natural fear inside of me about who God is. You can't say you know God without having a natural fear of reverence to who God is. You think I'm, I'm saved and, and I don't cheat anymore because I don't want to cheat? I'm scared to cheat. Not just to my wife. I'm scared of God. Amen. Amen. You think I, I, don't, I don't sin and I don't do the things that I used to do anymore because I just got tired of it? No, I'm scared because of God. When you have an experience when God and your experience may be different than mine, but when God literally tells you that, listen, you're going to do it my way or you done, that changes things. That changes things. I mean, it puts you in a position where, you know what, God, I'm going to give you the best gift I can give you. I'm going to give you myself. Whenever you tell me, God, that the only reason that I've made it thus far is because of whatever grace and mercy you've shown me, and you telling me if I make a decision right now to do in my way that you're going to remove your hands from me, I'm scared. I don't even need to try that. I don't even need to test that because I, I, I have awareness and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I see who you are, and so I'm naturally going to take the opportunity to acknowledge who you are. That's like a kid that didn't got enough whoopings in his life. All the right parent got to do is tell him, boy, you want a whooping? Yeah. After he didn't have enough, he straightened up. Dad, I know it was me. I know. Amen. It was me. That was the hard head that wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. But once I got in trouble enough, I lost my privileges enough, I got disciplined enough. Guess what? All he had to do was say something. Then, hmm. true parents know that if you're truly doing what you're supposed to do in parenting your kid, you ain't gotta touch them. You just look at them a certain way. Yeah. They know what comes after that look. A, <laughs> a, natural fear that associates the fact, even though I know you love, even though I know you love me, that in this moment you are gonna do what's best to protect me. I want to challenge us as believers to have more of an encounter with who God is. If you have not had your encounter, it's okay to admit I hadn't had an encounter. Guess what? You won't have your encounter until you stop faking. And still you stop acting like you've had an encounter, you won't really have an encounter. God needs you at your most vulnerable moment. He needs to be able to look at you for who you really are so that you can see him for who he really is so that a change and a transformation can begin to happen in your life at that moment. Why? Because he wants the best that you have to offer him. He wants the best that you have. So when they give him this gold, they're saying, you know what? I'm giving this because, God, I identify your position in my life. I know who you is. You're the king of kings, the lord of lords. But secondly, they go on and say, not only do I know Christ's position, but I know Christ's power. I know Christ's power. He has created all things. We know in Genesis when, when the Godhead represents, let us. Creating man in our image. He's not just talking to himself just to be talking to himself. Our God ain't bipolar. The weather in Texas do not got nothing to do with how God feels about us. God simply says, let us, because he's He's talking to everyone that is present. If nobody else was present, we know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit was present at that moment. Let us make man in our image image. And again, we've already said it's not about how many fingers, how many toes, how many arms you got because Amen. if that was the case, we wouldn't be dealing with people with disabilities now. The fact of the matter is God is talking about the innermost of who you are. The makeup, the genetics of who you are and who you will be so that he understand that you are all part what God? You are body and soul. You are spirit. You are the essence of who God wants you to be. Amen. And so here he is. He says I'm going to give you this. Gold. Because I know you've created it all. I'm going to give you the best that's on the face of the earth, the most valuable thing that we can ever have. I'm going to give it to you, God, because you created it all. Somebody needs to pinch themselves and wake up right now. Why? Because of the fact we struggle with giving God what we think is the best. Mm -hmm. Because we think the best is reserved for us. We struggle with giving God finances because we think that that's reserved for us. We struggle with giving God our relationships because we think that that's reserved for us. Let me tell you something. You'll never appreciate a relationship until you have a relationship with God. And I can't can't tell you that enough. There's not a man and man, I don't care if you hate me after today. You can't love your woman or your wife. First of all, you, 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 if you really love your woman, she's going to be your wife. And you can't love her until you really love God. Amen. I'm, speaking, I'm speaking from experience. Until you understand the love that God has for you, you can't love anyone else enough. Amen. That's good. They give God the best because they say even our best is nothing to you. We sit here and think our little money that we have money ain't even what it is. Now we're looking at numbers on the screen sliding a card, and it's all fake. Money is man-made. It's not, it's not God's made. You know the only reason why the church needs your money? Because we have to submit to man-made rules. We have to pay light bills. We have to pay water bills. We have to do rent. That's the only reason. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't care. Y'all don't bring no money. If they gave us this bill to scout free... God bless y'all. If we could just go out and, and turn a, a generator and the lights come on, hey, we cool. M- Mike, stay out there, ele- stay out there a whole hour. Turn that generator, Mike. We gonna worship. <laughs> but those things are things that it costs because of where we are and the time that we're living in. Somebody says, "Well, they didn't talk about uh, George Washington back then. George Washington wasn't now." Amen. <laughs> We've adopted. They were stoning people back then that committed adultery. I ain't stoned y'all yet. Do we really want we really wanna go there? Thank God y'all will be safe because now one of us cast a stone up in here. But here we are and we have to understand that we have to be willing to part with what we think is valuable. Because it has no value to the one who has created value. The only thing that is valuable, the only thing that God asked for was your life. So anything else that I have to submit is it's just frivolous. I can use this. I, the, the best thing I can give you is me. The greatest thing about when you give God who you are, you're not worried about nothing else. I, 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 I have been to the bottom and still happy because I have Jesus. I have been lost and confused as far as world standards, but still happy because I have Jesus. Oh yes, oh yes. It's nothing like having the best GPS that you can possibly ever have. I don't care how much they change up the Mixmaster downtown. As long as I got Siri, she going to get me to where I need to be. Why? Because she'll reroute me until I need to get there. That's the same thing with our lives. We can make mistakes. We can fall short. But as long as we keep ourselves in line with the will of God, he will get us to our destination. We can't get blinded by the things of this world. That's what I love about the Magi. When they came, they didn't just say, let me give you a little bit. I'm going to give you a lot. I'm going to give you everything that I possibly have because I want to honor not only who you are, but I also want to honor what you're capable of doing. If more of us start living our lives by giving God a lot, and I'm not just talking about your money, I'm talking about your service, I'm talking about your prayer, I'm talking about everything that applies to your relationship with God. If you begin to give God a lot, guess what happens? He gives a lot right back to you. If you can get to a point where you can begin to say, God, you know what? I trust you because of who you are, and I trust you because of what you will do, and as a result of it, I'm going to give you the best of who I am. And I'm, when I give you the best of who I am, I know that you're going to take care of me. Why? Because I'm in a relationship with you. Ain't no woman going to stay in a relationship with a man that ain't going to meet them halfway. Uh, uh, if they are, what do we call them? A fool. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's not saying that your man got to pay half the bills. It's just saying he needs to accompany something, oh, something. Oh, in this relationship. Yes, sir. yes thank you. James. I heard you. I heard you, Minister Devil. <laughs> he said he needs to be greater than me. Ain't nothing wrong with it. At the end of the day, (laughs) at the end of the day, we have a responsibility to give God our best. Our best offering, our best service, our best worship, our best praise, our best testimonies. Mm. Not the woe is me, Mm. but our best things. I love it when James says, when you fall on diverse times, don't, don't stress about it. Don't worry about it because it's just a testing Uh of your faith. Says that the test produces patience and it all has a perfect work that works together for the one that loves God. I love when he says when times are hard, don't worry about it. Uh Everything is going to be okay. I love when Paul says, listen, I willingly give everything I I have up to God. I want you to understand that Paul was a smart individual willingly gave everything that he had unto God. Why? So that God wouldn't have to take it away. Mm-hmm. Many of us in our lives were wondering why things keep getting taken away from us. You know, when you fail to do your tithes or you fail to serve, God told you to get up to go to church and you didn't get up to go to church and you had a flat and you was like, oh, that's just a coincidence. No, that was some ordainness happened right there in that moment. I, I mean, I can testify. I've been that individual that didn't pay his tithes and then I get a flat and it's just the amount I need It's the same amount my tithes was to get tithes, if not more. And I just know, God, if I would have just paid that toll, if I would have gave you my tithes, I would have been all right. You would have kept that spirit wrapped around that tithe just a week longer. (laughs) till I got my paycheck. But many of us fail to give to God like we're supposed to. And we struggle. And now you want to know why I know y'all fail. Not all of y'all, but some of y'all fail to give to God like you're supposed to. Because you're always running around saying what you're giving to the church. You're always running around saying what I do for my church. You shouldn't do anything just for your church. Your testimony should be I do it for God. Your testimony should be I'm giving this gift to God. They came to a house where God was, the born or wherever He was at that time. We can call that the church. And even though they came to the house where God was, they gave it to who? Christ. They, they were in the house, but their gift was given to who? Christ. Whatever you give in your service, in your time, and your prayer, you should give it to God. Amen. And why, why do I tell you this? Because you will give man the less. But I dare you not to give God your best. I dare you to look God in his face and say, I'm going to give you copper when you're demanding gold. I dare you to look him in his face and say, I'm going to give you two hours when you're requiring 24. You're going to do what you're supposed to do. Why? Because you're in the presence of God. If many of us can get past these buildings, these people, and just see God, the way we live life will change. They turn around and they say, listen, I'm going to give to you because of who you are, your position in life. I'm going to give to you because of your power. Then they, they ended with this. I'm going to give to you. Because of your purpose, I'm going to give to you because of your purpose. God's purpose, He redeems those who receive Him. He redeems those who received Him. He redeems, what does that mean? That I have been lost. Who receives him that means I have to willingly make the decision nobody should have to pump and prime you to serve God nobody should have to pump and prime you to give and to honor God nobody should have to pump and prime you to honor God through your lifestyle you should willingly want to receive him why so that he can redeem you they give God his best because they know that I'm giving to God because of what he's going to do in my life he has came just to die I'm down here so I can fall on my knees and honor you, Jesus, and wear crosses around my neck and have big fancy buildings and fancy cars. He's came just to die. Yeah. Yes. To die why? To redeem us from death ourselves. Yes. To redeem us from eternal failure. Yes. He did that. Many of us fail to give God our best, to give God who we are because we don't see God in his position, that he, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. We don't see him with the power that he's created all, he can do all, and we don't see him as the purpose. I come so that you can have life and that you can have it more abundantly. Your life don't get boring when you accept Christ. Amen. Amen. And I want to be honest with you. I can now testify that Your life may be filled with struggles, but the struggles get easier with Christ. When you truly have your eyes focused on who God is, you don't worry or become concerned about anything that's going on in your life. Why? Because of the fact you can honestly say, God, because I'm serving you, this belongs to you. My struggle, my strain ain't mine no more. When they were coming and they were giving God gifts to God, you know what they were doing? They were validating that you are who you say you are and you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Amen. They willingly came before them and said, you're worth the journey. Uh-huh. They didn't have Greyhound. Uber wasn't around back then. They were walking. They were on camels. And when they got there, they said, you're worth the journey because I know what you're going to do. I may never see you again. I could die Before I get to my destination, and I'm not going to be so selfish that I'm going to keep this gold so I can just walk around with it. And guess what? It's still going to be there when I'm gone. Oh, that hurts somebody. Some of y'all thought y'all were going to take some of that stuff with you. Y'all thought they were going to bury it with you. Let me tell you. They'll tell you they're going to bury it with you. But guess what? When they put you in that box after everybody look at you, they're going to take it right off of you. It's going to be in somebody's pawn shop. That car that you worked so hard to pay on—guess what? They not gonna keep paying the notes if you don't have the insurance that pays it off when you die. It's going back. They, it's not gonna. Why is it that you get so wrapped up? And none of this. We we are sitting here depositing in this worldly bank, but not making any deposits into our spiritual bank. We are sitting here and there's going to come a time where we're going to have to give an account and we're going to look at the checks and balances of our books and God's going to say, you hadn't made no deposits. What happened? The last time I seen you was when you accepted me. You you hadn't came in. I don't see any prayer deposits. I I don't see any acts of faith deposits. I, I don't see any testimony deposits. You were, a Pastor, what about the card that I bought? I told everybody that, that you did it. No, you might have said that I did it, but that boy you was fooling with did that for you. That had nothing to do with me. We, we are so quick when we look at blessings from the worldly perspective to give God credit for them, when the greatest blessing that God has given you is your life yourself. We should be able to testify through the life that we live. That, that's just the truth. You will know them by the fruit that they bear. If, you, if I really wanted to know you're blessed, I should be able to see it through your lifestyle. Yes, yes, How many people are talking bad about you? Amen. How much of what they're saying is actually true? Because no matter what, people are always going to have something to say. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But the greatest thing about it is God will make it evident if it's true or not. Uh-huh. People are always going to whisper behind closed doors. But God will always bring what's in the dark to the light. I'm in love with the Magi because they shown me in a time where we could be facing all type of strife and turmoil they had King Herod and his people on their tail and they did what they needed to do what they owed God so that he can be glorified they didn't go back and want to throw it in people's face They didn't go back and sell out for a position in the kingdom. They wanted to make sure that their relationship was right with God. They gave him gold. Because gold is the best thing you could have gave at that time. If they would have had platinum and they would have understood the value of platinum, they would have gave that up too. If they would have had a Bentley and they understood the value of a Bentley, they would have gave that up too. They gave God their best because he didn't deserve any less. When we stand here today, we have to make a conscious decision that we are willing to give God our best. I'm not talking again about your finances. I'm talking about your life. When you give God your life, the best of you, then you'll willingly give him the best of everything that's associated with your life. It saddens me to pastor and wonder how many of my people really have a relationship with God. How many of my people are just faking and shaking? How many of my people are confused? How many of them have not really asked the question, what must I do to be saved? How many of them have not really challenged themselves to give all of themselves to God? You're scared. You're confused. You're wondering what God will do. Let me tell you something you will never know until you give yourself to him. You will never know how much he can change things in your life until you willingly give all of yourself to him. Amen. Christ came so that we can have a better life and that we can have it more abundantly. But you have to have the, you have you to make the choice to accept it. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you for all the things that you've done. Thanking you for how you've impacted our lives. Thanking you for the sacrifice that you've made through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we pray in this moment that The words that you have spoken through me, Father God, have hit the hearts of the people you have created. Father God, that you challenge them to be better in every way that they possibly can be to honor and glorify who you are. And God, we surrender everything that we have because we know your position, we know your power, and we know your purpose. And we give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.